are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, Episode 9, Legacy Number 509. I'm here with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we're going to be starting with a couple books here, but I don't know. This is a, this is a tough week. It's a tough mm-hmm. week at Marvel. We're going to try to have fun with it, but you had a couple new number ones. You had some things leading to stuff, and pretty much you have a bunch of things that annoyed me. So we're going to kick into it, and we're going to start with the Amazing Spider-Man number 37. And this is uh, more rec rap. Last issue, me and you talked about it. You actually had me slightly convinced <laughs> that rec rap has a place. We could kind of deal with them. Maybe the, you know, the timing was off coming out of a dark story where Peter had the sins of Norman. You have all that stuff with Craven. Then you end up finishing it with Norman actually seemingly getting the sins back. And then we have Goofy Rec Rap. So, okay, get over that. So I'm thinking, uh, we're going to get Rec Rap again. I think we're going to have him for one more issue anyway. But the idea, maybe now I'm used to it. Maybe maybe this will be better. I can ease into this. This happens a lot, I think, in the Zeb Wells run because it has such a weird pacing. It has such a weird change of tones, even within issues. So, okay. Let's see what gives here. And we get this issue, Amazing Spider-Man number 37, and it's gotten to the point where how can you overdo rec rap in two issues? Because I think it's he's well overdue and or overdone, and he feels like a side character in a sitcom. I said to you, like a Screech or an Urkel. Mm -hmm. Somebody, though, that is known for one catchphrase, everybody goes nuts for a season or two. But then you realize there's nothing else to this character than did I do that or I didn't do it like on The Simpsons with Bart. And you get to that point where then it becomes cringy. It's already at that point. Rec Rap is already overstayed as welcome. I don't get it. It's because he's pushing it too hard. The humor doesn't hit. Zeb Wells, known as a funny guy. I don't know about that. I think that his... (laughs) His stupid robot chicken humor that he came from is is done. Again, almost like the uh, I didn't do that, kid. That's Zeb Wells himself. But this is Amazing Spider-Man number 37, written by Zeb Wells, art by Ed McGinnis, which is really good. Emilio Laiso on interlude art, which is okay. Mark Farmer, Wade Von Graubadger, Ed McGinnis on inks, Marcel Menez, and Eric Arcinego on colors. He sees Joe Carmagna on letters. Now, you said last issue that they gave you that dark cover yes. to try to fool you because then you go in with rec rap and it wasn't that dark. In this, you do have gang war stamped on the deal. There is an interlude type deal that's kind of a couple prelude pages. setting up some things, but it's only a couple pages. You don't really need to read them because anything that would end up happening and only one thing is revealed, but it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Let's see what goes on. I'm sure it'll be reiterated once gang war starts but in the meantime you get a lot of rec rap and by the end i think peter is a jerk i think rep rap is this weird kind of back and forth we said rec rap is played off as like hey he's a goofy spider-man with a heart of gold he means well but he's he's not dumb though and me and you were talking you even had to say to me because at points he knows things 
But then for a joke, he doesn't know things later, but he doesn't know the most basic things that you would know. But then some <laughs> of his lines end up showing you that he knows more. So high weird, intelligence, but, I think he has high, <laughs> but he doesn't know what a building is. No, he has no idea what a building is, and the, the, <laughs> doesn't even have the you know deal to say. You know the room on top of the building. He's like, you know, the triangle thing. Then Peter has to make things work. But by the end, Peter ditches him completely. He's just fed in, up. And in a way him. that seems bad, but cruel. <laughs> you, you start off and we have that repossessor demon. Now it's in its kind of human-esque form here. And Jason had some things in our Slack chat, but we kind of would figure this out anyway. It's the guy from the beginning of the series that ended up sitting on the stoop, always waiting to catch Peter so he can yep. say, hey, you owe this, you owe that. Now he seems like he's repossessing demons for Limbo. And it kind of makes sense in the way that we never really found out what this guy, we thought it must have been money. You had the play where Aunt May almost lost the house. And Peter, mm-hmm. this is all from the beginning when he ended up exploding York, Pennsylvania, which I think is a plus. But in the meantime, <laughs> also... You know, he had all these bills. Everybody hated him. This guy was just there. And then he got eaten in Dark Web without really ever knowing anything about this guy. He was just no. kind of there. It's like, oh, that's that guy. Oh, he's dead now. Okay. And move people on. laughed. I laughed when it uh-huh, happened. I did like, too. they did not really know what to do with this guy, but you had to get rid of him. Uh-huh. So he got <laughs> eaten in Dark Web. Well, it looks like maybe after he got eaten, Madeline Pryor kind of said, well, now that you're here, I uh, I could use your skill set. You are a guy who goes and collects things, you know, the repos. I'll turn you into a demon that goes out and grabs these other demons that escape. It makes some sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a weird way, uh, but it really is kind of a kind of an ambiguous thing. And he's here, but he still seems obsessed with collecting whatever from Peter. So he's there in the apartment. He's looking at a picture of Peter and Randy. And then, you know, voila, Randy's at the door. Hey, Peter, I can't get a hold of you. I hear you in there. And this repossessor says, okay, I can take Randy as collateral, which he does. He ends up grabbing him and seemingly you would think take him into limbo the way he does all these demons. So in that, there is something at stake for Peter then to go on. Now, I don't know that we needed that. Because just the idea where it seemed like last issue, when this repossessor came in, it's awful, you know, demon guys, when it was going to take Rec Rap, Rec Rap, please don't let it take me home. I don't want to go home. And it felt like what Rec Rap was saying to Peter is, it's awful there. Mm-hmm. They treat me like crap. And you could sit there and, again, people could argue about the intelligence level of Rec Rap. But Rec Rap is, like I said, a heart of gold. He might be annoying. But he's kind of a nice guy who wants to do well, might not do well in what is essentially prison. Not at all. You know what I mean? This is like a a nice guy who all of a sudden he's in prison and there's bad people there. Plus, you're also playing that idea. If he goes back to Limbo, these people in Limbo say Octoball, Gorpion, which we see here, they're not going to really be so happy with him. It's basically the idea of a cop getting put in jail they're in big trouble especially because they put a lot of people away so the idea that he didn't want to go back to limbo it seemed pretty cut and dry to me it's because it's an awful place and i don't want to go there but in this peter keeps like why don't you want to go home that's the mystery i'm like really because by the end then as it goes through here and 
pretty much what you're going to get a lot of is rec rap story adventure time. Mm-hmm. I still think if you're going to do this, do it in one of those Infinity comics on the app, maybe collect it later because it's just taking up space for no reason because you end up as he is there fighting. And this is the thing. He's in a tale. The mystery of the time I got in a fight with Kraken the Hunter a few weeks ago and something weird happened. What what weird happened is that Kraken, again, he doesn't know how things go. And he's like, I'm going to marry you a lot. Uh. You're going to marry me. <laughs> you're supposed to bury me. Bury you? I'm not a sadist. Well, you're not going to be Mr. Rap. That's it. That that like yeah. You sit there and read that and you're like. Odd. I had to read it a few times. I'm like, am I missing something What here? the hell's going on here? What do you do? Why are we playing these games? Like you're heading into a gang war. You like just this is sandwiched in between a big crossover event and Norman Osborn getting his sins back after Peter almost killed a bunch of people and did kill a bunch of people. And this is what's in between. And the only thing I can think of is that you have a timing issue. The other books involve, say, a miles, that sort of thing that will cross over. They need a couple issues to tie up things set up a couple things to get into gang war but this i mean this really feels like you're missing the boat here you you don't understand the lay of the land but it is like i think that zeb wells has this stupid trigger that he has to tell stupid jokes and he's got like a quota of them maybe it's in his contract he's like listen I have to tell at least 10 eye-rolling jokes every three <laughs> issues, and I haven't been able to do that, even though he tries to mix them in. He tries to mix up. Things get real dark, and he'll throw a joke in. I said, he is the guy at a funeral that's joking around and everybody's annoyed with, but he thinks he's the funniest guy ever. You think he's like uh, Steven Spielberg? I'll make one movie for them and one movie for me? That's what it is. He's like, <laughs> I'll do one issue with one joke, but now this is my deal with the jokes, and it's it's bad. Uh, and yeah. it starts to be, like I said, an Urkel that sort of situation of, oh, you don't really need this. It's not really hitting like you think it is. Let's move on. It's wanging time. What is that? He says, it's wanging time. Is that his catchphrase? Uh, I'm married with five kids. I know what wanging time is. <laughs> so I don't know recently. Like, that's his catchphrase. Like, that, that's what, I mean, can you imagine Zeb Wells is probably writing this and he's got to watch himself because he's laughing so hard. That he starts crying and it's getting on his, you know, tablet. He might yeah. ruin it. It's terrible. So you end up where this whole play is going on. He runs into this repossessor, and this is how it leads into what he's telling Peter. He ends up following the repossessor, sees that he grabs this guy, sees that he grabs that guy, and he keeps going to people box. And then takes him to the people box. And Peter's like, You mean a building, a house? Yeah. And then the triangle <laughs> thing on top of the people box. Oh, you mean an attic? I'm like, I wouldn't have gotten that. But No, I wouldn't have either. In this issue, you know, you're trying to play that jokey thing like that. But at one point, you have rec rap talk like smarter than Peter mm-hmm. in a way where he's like, elementary, dear Pete, man. I like, And it's kind of a funny joke, but it shows you that rec rap isn't dumb. And he would know a building. What, why are you saying, why is that your joke? The people box. You know, I, I'm waiting for him to be like, oh, this horseless carriage. What are you doing? But then. Well, it's a different. I mean, if, if, if Rec Rap is intentionally saying it wrong, that's one thing. But I don't think he is in this case. I think he just is, doesn't know what a building is. In Queens, there's the. We know about this. We all actually already saw the attic. And it's where, yeah, last you know, issue. this repossessor goes back. And then there's a flash of light. You would guess that when he 
consumes the things. Maybe he has to go back here. This is where the portal, whatever the thing may be. But you end up as they're doing this, Peter and Rec Rapper talking and Norman bust in because they're at Oscorp. And he's like, what are you doing here with this thing? Oh, oh, this is my buddy Rec Rap. He's no harm. He's fine. I got to figure things out. You better get him out of here before I lose my company. And then you have Rec Rap's like, hey, uh, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> and then starts making jokes. Hey, come on into the hot bath of a mystery. The water's fine. I guess you don't want to be in the bath. And I'm like, you're annoying. You were mm-hmm. so annoying. Norman's just like, ugh, get this thing away from me. I don't want it around. Peter, you know that. And I'm like, really? The amount of things that Norman and Peter have been doing up until this point, this is not on the top of the list, right? And it no. feels like, it just doesn't feel like Norman. Any Norman that we've seen coming in, is this supposed to be like, ooh, he's got the, you know, he's got his sins in because it didn't even seem like that. It, it's he just, just seems so, like he wants, he's worrying about his business and that's it. Yeah, he's just he like, seems like he comes in and stuff. he's just like, you know, Mr. Manager, you want to yeah. get out of here before I get in trouble. I'm like, ah, okay, that didn't play out well. <laughs> and I think, again, if you're going to be the deal, I, I'll go old school. This is where Oh, man, we have to have the Fonz show up. Fonzie comes in. Everybody's, oh, Fonz, yeah. And then he leaves because you just need an appearance. And he does that. So you have Urkel. You have the Fonz. But when is anything in this going to be cool? Because it's not. Because <laughs> then you end up where, oh, we have to have an interlude with the whole gang war. And that's where you see Hammerhead. And he's like, hey, we're going to get this set up in the big place. Man, when people find out that you ended up killing Count Nefaria's daughter, there's going to be problems. And then Count Nefaria just shows up and says, hey, what if they didn't find out that it was ordered by me? I ordered Madame Mask's assassination <laughs> because I'm Count Nefaria and it's going to be a gang war, bitches. And then he leaves. <laughs> it's done. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 100% Madame Mask is not dead. She's probably in limbo, in the limbo of she limbo. She is not dead. They would be showing that. There's, there's a major character way bigger than Count Nefaria is. Each little interlude and the way that this is kind of being set up, I'm like, I don't need another dark web. If I see one sentient mailbox, I am going to lose it. I don't need that anymore. I'm done. So (laughs) you end up where, all right, well, the interlude over. Gang war, everybody. So we then go back to Peter and Rec Rap trying to figure out what they're going to do. Some of the jokes here are it's a mystery. So we got to dress up as detectives. But Peter doesn't want to do that, so it really falls flat. And then he says, listen, there is no mystery. You're a jerk, and you should go home. You are trying to use me. And and just says, that repossessor, he gets the demons and sends them back to limbo. And I think that you're nonsense. So sayonara leaves him. He just leaves. He completely ditch wreck rap. And right after he does, the repossessor shows up and says, you're coming home. It's all over now. He's done. He's getting sent he to what he says. He just completely abandons Rec Rap. Yep, just completely abandons him. Peter goes back to his apartment, and I love where he goes in. He's like, man, I didn't leave my picture on the floor like that broken and the door. Like, he's so nonchalant about the idea that his apartment is completely trashed, completely it's trashed. It's destroyed. The, the door and all of the the plaster it's all off it's all in a thousands of dollars in damage i like he goes i didn't leave my door like that what do you mean it's a door i don't even see a door no door hey randy's phone oh no and and you're like what the hell is going 
And then the repossessed, because she says, I got to go find Randy. He's making these jumps to conclusions, assumptions that, oh, my God, I got to go to this queen's attic that Rec Rep said, like the idea. I don't know what happened, but he goes there. The repossessor comes in and says, oh, I was hoping you would come. Hey, I'm going to get what I came for. Randy Robertson, he's just collateral. You owe me a great debt. I turn into a monster and then just eats Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's like, wait, oh, no. And now it seems like the thing is, in this point, this is just going to help. He, he has to free probably Randy in limbo of limbo and wreck rap too yeah it's pretty much just i'm gonna head there and save them right because it just eats you and craps you out in limbo or wherever yeah, I guess. fake like, limbo this is yeah, because well madeline Pryor was telling him like your mission is to get wreck rap you don't be messing with spider-man but this guy's got his own he's on a side hustle side mission yeah. of his deal because this is something that he's taken over like i guess the play would be all right, you shouldn't be remembering a lot of your past life, so you yep. don't have any problems. You're a repossessor. That's what you do. You're good for it. But then again, you're hinging on that he's good at the repossessor. Really, the idea that he's good at it, he sat on the stairs in front of Peter's, legitimately did not ever get his job done. He was there. He completely failed. Mm-hmm. And now he's the big limbo of limbo repossessor, and there goes Peter. And at the end, I'm like, why am I reading this? Why, why is this even a thing? Because it's nonsense. And again, last issue I could say to you, yeah, he's, they're trying to have fun. Seb Wells wants to have fun with this rec rap. Okay. But two issues, I think that you'd agree. It's already too much. There's nothing here to to even warrant two issues, let alone that we have to continue and try to save everybody and see what happens with rec rap. It's just not a developed character. The character's there for pretty much a one kind of deal, one trick pony, and it's already, you know, over overstated steel. Uh, what would you give this? Yeah, I'll give this one a 5.5. I'm giving it a 4. I like the art. Yeah, the arts, there are some great Spider-Man moments. He's definitely wasted. He's a little cartoony. It might just be the colors, but... It I works, mean, though, for Rec Rap, but it still looks really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I just appreciate a, a grounded Spider-Man story, not... Peter doesn't act right. Norman acts like a jerk. I mean, nobody is. And then you have this Emilio Leso on the interlude art, which is okay, except Hammerhead. Jesus, cry me to that head. You can land a plane on that. Yeah, well, he puts his hand all over that head, too. You can also put a Thanksgiving dinner on there. (laughs) And and one thing about RecRap, too, I think a big miss, and it's maybe. Should have been handled already, but his costume, it, it's got to be something different. Just it can't be Spider-Man's outfit. Give him something else. I it don't just know. looks like a roided out Spider-Man. And Spider-Man would not be cool with him running around with that outfit on. No way. I can tell you right now, I never saw I, I never saw one episode of Robot Chicken. Yeah. yeah and I never will. That was his thing. So it's okay. It had its time. And some things <laughs> are, you know, you get a chuckle out of it. But again, I think that a lot of people now would, would maybe agree. Robot Chicken is another one of those things that you got to take it in short burst. You can't mm-hmm. like you can't marathon seven seasons of Robot Chicken. It'll drive you nuts because it's kind of repeats the kind of humor and the thing. So that's kind of the deal with Zeb Wells. You got to take it. Rec Rap showing up in a half an issue. I said an Infinity comic maybe or a one shot. Yeah. That's kind of cool. You can kind of set that up when you have to extend it. There's just not enough with the character to actually get anything out of it. So there you go. We don't like fun. No, we're the we, we are misery incarnate, I believe. But that, that's then. I just, I, I really hope, but now I'm worried 
that this whole gang war because now we're going to get Cody Ziggler involved. I mean, this this really? thing is just yeah, he's involved, so oh, it's just oh, going to go completely off the rails, and I'm worried about that because. I want to like book it. Is that because Miles is involved? Yeah. Yeah. Every okay. time I, I like one thing about it, then there's like three other things yeah. that show up that drive me nuts. But MC Scat Cat, right? Speaking of that, yeah. The, speaking of that, we're, we're going to go off to another book here. It's a new number one. And here it is Thanos number one. I know that you've been waiting with bated breath for this, Matt. And we'll see if this has enough Thanos to please you. Or maybe anybody, but it is. He's on the cover. He's (laughs) on the cover. He's in a couple panels. Christopher Cantwell writing. Art by Luca Pizzari. Colors by Ruth Redman. VCs Corey Petit on letters. I usually don't read the blurbs, uh, but I'm going to read this one because I think it ends up pointing out the one thing that's going on in this issue. It says, Thanos is called the Mad Titan, an eternal and immense strength, intellect, ambition, and bloodthirst. Once upon a time, he sought the heart of the goddess Death and used the Infinity Gauntlet to erase half the universe's population to win her love. But the pair had split by the time Thanos battled the Guardians of the Galaxy, who shot him into a black hole. Thanos has been missing and presumed dead ever since until now. Just think of the big things that they're talking about there. Guardians of the Galaxy shooting him into a black hole. You got the Infinity Gauntlet mentioned. Really what you need to really center on is the goddess death. (laughs) <laughs> because when you get into this issue, Christopher Cantwell is doing something that I think he and may end up being kind of clever. The problem is in the lay of the land and the idea of monthly comics, it doesn't work very well. This is a cold open that seems to be giving you more the idea that death has kind of shown up in Fresno in the United States on planet Earth. Doesn't really realize that, it seems, but. Yeah, is there for Thanos to go after. And because of that, we center on this character, Roberta. And by the time you get done, most people are going to be shaking their heads about what the heck they just read because there's barely (laughs) Thanos in it. And you really center on things like a Bachelor-type reality show and working at a pharmacy. And that's it. I mean, that is basically the gist of this first deal to set up what me and you both think is death on Earth and Thanos being obsessed to go and get her. But mm-hmm. you end in a way where anybody coming into this thinking, man, I want to see, I, I haven't really read a lot of Thanos recently, didn't read Eternal stuff. Oh, my goodness. I want to check out Thanos. I think that they will just not know what's happening here. And I say what's happening. I'm not talking about page to page, panel to panel. I'm talking about what's happening. Where the hell is Thanos? Because he shows up at the end along with a bunch of other characters. But the big play here is <laughs> this character, Roberta. And I'm like, you start out, and I'm not a fan of Christopher Cantwell. I think that he is nonsense. He tries to be too clever. He tries to do these fancy stuff. I'm telling you right now, if you even like Christopher Cantwell, wait for the trade. I don't see this as already yes. being something to read month to month. No, it'll he be is very hard. Doing this weird, slow, odd burn. But. You start out in Fresno, R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P., exactly. Yeah. So you end up where you get this girl. Like, you're waiting for Thanos, and what you get is a goth girl who's thinking about this, like I said, like a bachelor, bachelorette-type reality show that we have to know is going on in Fiji. And we have to find out that this one contestant who was, you know, a pretty good baseball player, also loved the Return of the Jedi, was not 
I was a little worried that they weren't going to get the rose at the end. I will admit to if mm-hmm. I say anything wrong about like a bachelor, I've never seen the show. I, I, mean, I haven't. My wife even is something that would be something in her wheelhouse. I don't think she's ever watched it either. So you end up maybe they like smash glasses into like a I don't know a <laughs> fireplace. So you end up where she's thinking, oh, last night I was watching this and this guy. He ended up wanting to get an in with the girl, so went to one of her friends. Oh, she likes sensitive guys. So then you go, and this takes page after page yeah, after it's, narration uh, after nonsense. And like, and then so, five pages. Yeah, mm-hmm. in this in five pages. And it's not even the idea. If you're going to do it, I don't know why or how, whatnot, but maybe show us the show, not show us a whisper down the lane. Through Roberta, who's kind of heading off to work at a pharmacy, thinking about this stupid show. It almost feels like it's one of those like podcaster videos, like an after show deal. And like, I don't need this. I've been. Oh, those shows are the worst. I hate those. Like, I'm hijacked. I I don't (laughs) want to deal with this. So he ends up where he comes up with an idea. Hey, uh, most people think I tell them my first memory is Return of the Jedi. But really, and and that's just trying. What kind of credit are you trying to get this? So, uh, but really, it was when my grandfather died, and my mom took me to the dead body that was yellow and icky, and I had to kiss it. The end. And the guy didn't win. That that's the worst of it no. too. I'm like, she was creeped out, man, and rejected yeah, him. Yeah, I was creeped out. Also, <laughs> so you end up with this girl. And she she goes to work, like I said, like a goth looks. She's making small talk with the other employees. Yeah, and going in there's a rat that died. And again, there's things with death. And she even like. What is she doing with that rat? She She puts it in her pocket. Yeah, it's weird, right? Maybe she's going to make a wallet out of it. I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm assuming she's going to bring it back to life. She also hangs out in a a graveyard. There's so many things. That's her gravestone, though, I think. Yeah. Marie Collins. When you, you go through all this. He's being subtle, but it's all you're getting. So it, it ends up being the idea, like I said, a slow burn, odd burn. I feel burned. I don't know. She still has that up, rat on her with the, in a couch when she's falling asleep. The rat is with her. Hanging out with the dead rat. <laughs> she goes then to this, like you said, she goes to a graveyard and there's a gravestone there and it has this name, Maria. And that's not her name. We we have her name, Roberta. So at that point, you're starting to think like, okay, when we get, is she like, like, I don't know. Is she undercover? Has she changed her name? But then as things go, you kind of realize this must be death. But again, is this a Thanos book or a death book? I I don't get it. So you have all this play. This is going to be very quick, by the way. You, You have this whole deal where. Yeah, she's there. She falls asleep. She wakes up because she sees Black Hole and the teeth of Thanos. That's the other bit of connection. And as she's there the next day working at the pharmacy, and she doesn't seem to be that into her job, right? She ends up like, oh, my God, what just happened? A spaceship just shows up at Earth and starts to suck in a non-sexy way Fresno out of Earth. And it's like taking it. And then Thanos does finally show up and says, Hey, everybody, I'm only here for Roberta. I need her. Everybody else, you're chaff and you're going to go down. In the meantime, some ladies <laughs> at the pharmacy and recognizes Roberta as her daughter, Maria. But that's not it. And you go and you and she seems to know, but not know. And then I'm sitting there like, what the heck am I reading here? 
it's crazy. Just the idea of, of Thanos knowing Fresno is just insane. Yeah. Hear me, Fresno. Like, come on. He's like, thank God it wasn't Cleveland. He's so happy she was in Fresno and not I've like I've never Detroit. met a person that could point out Fresno on a map, let alone Thanos. Come on, I that's crazy. That Tanya, I think Tanya has relatives in Fresno, but they're not so <laughs> nice. So I'm glad. Like, I was happy when this happened, Fresno. So as all this, everything's just kind of getting thrown at you. And because you're waiting for Thanos, because you're going into a Thanos book, I think that you're never really on proper footing. You kind of are, are confused by about the 10th page. In my mind, you're like, what mm-hmm. the hell is this? I thought I, the idea of checking page count is is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. How about checking the cover to make sure you're reading the right comic? Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> so when Thanos finally shows up and he's, I only need this, Roberta, then this girl's mother, possibly from past life, whatever, recognizes her. She tells her to go drive off. Then she ends up falling down. And then Thanos looks like he's going to get her. But then you get all of a sudden over the intercom in a jokey way. Like, this is it. Just imagine. Fresno is being displaced. It's now in space because they pulled it up into space. You have this girl who maybe people know, maybe people don't, but it seems to be death. But even so, it's just this girl that Thanos has announced to everybody, I don't care about anybody but this girl you can't think right away that that is something good you would maybe think that he's gonna kill you wouldn't know so instead of say iron man and emma frost and reed richards and dr strange and blue marble instead of them going and grabbing her and protecting her they have to play games tony (laughs) gets over the intercom which i don't see how it works where's the electricity (laughs) And says, Miss Marshall, uh, we mean you no harm. Please come to the front desk. Why are you playing games? Even the idea, they know Thanos is there. Clean up an aisle everywhere. Everywhere. Yep. Clean up in Fresno. And so she like runs up and goes, oh, my God, things that are happening here. And Christopher Campbell seems to think that he has to be funny. And the I would have crapped my pants and probably jumped off the side of the cliff of what was Fresno. <laughs> the big thing that she's all surprised, you're Iron Man. Like, no, no, what's going on here? Blue Marvel isn't the most well-known, and he's like, you probably don't know me. And she's like, no, I know you. You're Adam Brashear. She knows Blue everything Marvel. about him. Okay. And then, hey, Dr. Strange, hey, you, 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 it's you. And all of a sudden, it's just, we got to protect you from Thanos. You try to survive the end. I'm like, I don't know if I survived this. This this was odd. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that it's an will. It's it's pretty bad just because of how odd it is. And yeah. you said this would be like a three-minute intro into a full movie. And you, you feel by the end, you got to do more with your main character in the first issue so people are on board. I mean, I guess if you read this first, you're going to maybe say, well, that was bull crap, but I guess I'll tune in next time to see Thanos at least. But that's not good. Like, you want to have a cliffhanger and you want to have an ending that the, it's positive. Like, oh, my God, I got to see the next issue. In this, you're like, I don't know what the hell I just read. So, eh. Yeah, like, I would say that, like, death in general as a character is not the easiest thing to write, I think. And then out of context, death of just with no frame of reference is basically impossible. And this, you didn't do a good job. The thing about death in the things that me and you have even done 
you know, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, Infinity Gauntlet, yeah. What we like about Death isn't the actual, and some people might enjoy the character Death, but what we like more is, you know, Thanos and how he acts around Thanos it. with Death. Where this guy is like the biggest, baddest thing, but he'll do anything for Death, and Death yeah. kind of, you know, treats him like crap at points and whatnot, so all that is, but that's them combined, and it's more through Thanos. Yeah, it, I understand, we'll probably get to that. But in a first issue, you, you can't do it like this. And overall, hey, what was that Thanos issue like? Was it cool? It was about this girl, Roberta, who's like this goth girl working at a, uh, a pharmacy. And then <laughs> Fresno gets pulled up into space. And then the, the Avengers are there, kind of. Like this new Illuminati Avengers type deal. They're there. And the person will be looking at you like, I don't think you understand things. Like, it can't be that. And then they <laughs> read it and like. You're 100% right. I, I actually, when we started this, I was going to say, before we start, please, everything that we say is actually what's going on in the book, because it almost feels like we're punking people by saying it, it's bad. It's bad in that way of, what the hell is this? I really do like that new Iron Man armor. You never get to see it even in Iron Man, so it's it's cool to actually see it here, which the, to me, that's the only shining spot in this whole thing. I would give this a flat five. Doctor Strange, he's just doing little magic tricks with What's light bulbs. What's he doing with those light bulbs? She's like, look at me. I'm Chris Angel. I'm mind freaking your ass. I have no idea. And Blue Marvel, I like him, but where's he coming from? I, I don't know. know. Where's anything coming from? <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. I'm a three. three. Three out of ten. This could change, though. It's just a very misplaced idea of a first issue. There's other people who will have been following all the Thanos stuff. Oh, my God, I have to see what happened. And they get to this, and they get a pharmacy with a goth girl who might have died, and her mom sees her. She's got a dead rat in her pocket. It's like, is that a dead rat in your pocket, or is this a bullcrap issue? <laughs> She's happy to see us. But... Like, how did Thanos get the ship? How did he get out of the black hole? <laughs> I don't know. Now, all of this stuff. Maybe that's next issue. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to keep following it just to laugh, but that is it. That is it for this. <laughs> but... Oh, my goodness. Thanks for joining me once again, my man, Matt. We're going to yep. go off now, and I don't know if it gets any better because we're going off to talk about the new Punisher book uh, right about now. And I'm here with my man, Zach. What up, Zach? What's up, Jim? What up? And we have uh, another new number one. This is Punisher yeah. number one. A lot of people ended up, you know, talking about this play where at one point they had kind of a guessing game. Oh, my God, who is going to be this new Punisher? And they ended up having... Like a shadowy figure, almost like it was a, a character you had to unlock in a fighting game. And people were guessing, 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 and then suddenly they, they announced it. It's Joe Garrison, ex-Shield agent. Yeah, everybody. Who? Like, what? Like, what's going on? And then they explained it and thought, well, that was a little bit of a fun game that you couldn't play along with. And when you get into this issue... Kind of continuous with that because this issue stinks. It's not very good. Just give us Frank Castle, please. My big problem is if you're not going to have Frank Castle and you introduce a new Punisher, give me something different so that I can say, okay, well, I kind of like Frank, but I could dig this guy. Don't redo Frank Castle yeah. with a new guy. Uh, that's why I wanted to read it. I even thought at one point there was going to be a little twist that I'll, I'll even tell you what it is now that I thought that all of what was going on, we thought it was going one way. But this guy is so out of his mind that he was recreating the origin of Frank himself to become that. But it's not that. That might yeah. be a little interesting. This is this is not good. It's cliche. It is just boring. But it's written by David Papos. And <sighs> that's why. Uh, uh, yeah. And I've read a couple of things. I know people like that Savage uh, Avengers meme. I did, did not. not. 
And the Moon Knight City of the Dead is just nope. awful. That's a like bad, bad series. Me and Gabe will finish that up next issue. I think it's the last issue. Not very good. Art by Dave Wachter. I do like Dave Wachter. I, I like Dave Wachter. He did pretty good on uh, Planet of the Apes. You go into this. Oh, man, it's it's already an uphill battle. You're going to have somebody not Frank being the Punisher. And the play throughout this bunch of years now is that you can't have Frank Castle because bad people in, in the mind of Marvel. I'm not going to make any judgments here, but they decided bad people have commandeered the Punisher symbol. We can't have the Punisher going out and killing people. Also, the killing, it's a little over the top, all that. So I'm wondering, okay, what is this guy going to do? What is Joe Garrison going to do? And when he goes in, he's just blasting. He is a rooting, shooting, <laughs> shooting machine. He just started blasting. He is just blasting in this. And so when you get to that, I'm like, all right, well, I kind of want Frank Castle then. Uh, give me Frank. I know that how that went with all the stuff tied in with Daredevil, Jason Aaron stuff. I don't care. I'm reading this and I just want Frank Castle. So yeah. y- you start off and you end up where a building has been blown up. You see Garrison yeah, on the deal. And there's a couple detectives, a bunch of people milling about. And again, I don't know who these characters are. I just, I want the Punisher. And you get in here and what's happening? The book is punishing me. I have to go through this. I, I'm going to get angry about this because I got so bored with it. But you go in and these detectives, hey there, Detective Ward, how are things going? Pretty good. How are you? Eh, not bad myself. Let's walk into the house. I'm like, why are we wasting any bit of time? And then you go in and there's a bunch of people. There's obviously people who are dead. They're trying to figure this out. The one guy says, oh, man, looks like somebody ended up. Blowing up the building. Hey, don't you jump to conclusions, pal. I don't got Detective Linus here. Noah's something. And he's like, let me look. Uh, looks like somebody blown up the building. This whole building is blown up. There's a wall that's standing there like, maybe something's in the wall. They look, oh, an unexploded bomb. Didn't you think that that was going to now explode and these guys are dead? Why introduce this to do nothing with it? They end up having this bomb and they go, get the bomb squad the end and then even that you said that no assumptions they end up digging up a body of the wife the two kids but they can't find the body of the husband so like he must have done it it's joe garrison who just happens to be the new punisher dun 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 in the meantime while that's going on joe he already knows punisher's gonna go off and guess what he's gonna do he's gonna punish the guy who blew the building up and killed his family. We're introduced to it so quick. There's no connection to Joe Garrison, his family, these detectives, no at all. So when you get to it and you find out, okay, I'll make doing the math. Wife dead, a girl and a boy dead. Oh, it's just Frank Castle Punisher done again, but I have no connection. So you end up at the Black Dragon Bar. You start with the over-narration of this Joe Garrison. One thing he likes to do is chit-chat of the mind. He's just boring. He, he gives you the scene, but he kind of sometimes oversteps the art at points, and it's just cliche action movie. You know, bang bang, I'm gonna get you. Even has some crazy, you know, catchphrases or one-liners, but they don't play out. Yeah, it, it's stupid shit. Like just like there's one where it's like, it's like we're gonna make you eat those words, Punisher, and he's like, eat this, starts shooting the gun, and it's like, so he they, this bar. You have this guy, and again, we don't know that this is the guy who blew up the deal, but you kind of can figure it out as it goes. But you have this play of, and you see a hand pull out one cord, one power cord out of the wall 
socket. Everything in the bar seems to go off. Like everything is there. The entire lights, everything. Like just this is everything. like the classic. You have eight hundred things plugged into one strip, and this guy go get. He pulls the strip. Oh no, it's dark, and now we're just gonna get stupid trash talk. At one point, they're like, "What are you gonna do?" Say we got eight people, eight against one. He's like, "You mean you have eight for now?" All right. Then he starts, you know, starts blasting. And and when you're doing that, you even cut then a bit to the the detectives, you know, just to ruin the pacing a little more. And so with that, the Sokovian, he grabs the suitcase and runs off as he's getting shot. He gets away. In the meantime, these guys with the devil mess, they just start attacking John. He's blocking them with his armor. He has his chest. Now, his chest plate. Everybody's seen it probably by now. It, it looks like the Punisher logo, but it looks like it's lit. Yeah, it glows because that that was supposed to be the visual when he came in the door after he turned off all the lights or whatever. It's just like a glowing yeah, skull. I, yeah, exactly. Like, it looks like the Punisher logo, just a different version of it. But and I said lit. I don't mean like how the kids say it down at the roller skating rink. He end up where it is not lit, Jim. It is not. He just fights through. He ends up breaking a guy's sword and runs him through. And then the big line because there's this big dude. And they're in a bar, so they're getting all this alcohol on them and whoever. And the guy says, oh, I wield the power of man's darkest shadows. And then you have this joke here, maybe, but you're still soaked in rum, and I'm the one with the lighter. I'm like, really? So here is the trash talk. This is the action movie talk here that David Popos thinks is pretty cool. It's not, because this is far from a Sylvester Stallone saying, you're the disease and I'm the cure. See, that's cool. This is just mentioning, you know, hey, by the way, you just got soaked in rum and I happen to have a lighter. I mean, he's actually just saying the actual thing going on. No metaphor, no cleverness. And it really does give you the microcosm of this book. This Punisher number one is trying to be an 80s, 90s action movie, but it's direct-to-video. That's all this is. Frank Castle, that's a blockbuster. That's in the theater. This deal, this is direct-to-video nonsense that you avoid. Like, this is what I'm reading? Please, please. Oh, my goodness. And he sets him on fire. So, again, very violent. And he just walks away from people burning. But you get that visual of what looks like the Punisher logo. So he goes back to the safe house, the shield safe house. He says there's a bunch in New York. Okay. And he has his gadget gal, Triple A. Don't know her. Don't know Punisher Joe Garrison either. And they start having quips and they start having little one liners with each other, but it doesn't play out well because we don't know the characters. There's no setup of, oh man, she always does that. Or, oh man, he's always joking about that. We don't know them. So at one point, says, that's why they call me Triple A. Oh, I thought that was because it was your uh, armor and analysis. And then, no, aiding and abetting. Like, no. Yeah, I thought it was like the car service, like, oh, I'm here to help. Like, you know, she's basically just the micro. Um, Punisher had micro. This is Joe Garrison's yeah, micro. Same. And while they're doing that, they're watching the news. And so they're like, and you end up, oh, man, you're pretty famous. And at first, the famous bit is because of his, oh, looks like the Punisher's back. And you end up where Joe Garrison goes, oh, man, they think I'm the Punisher because of my armor. I'm like, really? You didn't think that looked anything like the Punisher? And now S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't hire him for his smarts. The real story here is that the police are saying that he's the main suspect in the killing of his family. Again, 
I hate to say it, but I don't care because I don't know the family, and it's just too much of a generic version of we, Frank we Castle. We get one little flashback during the story. You get that quick, oh, man, I'm so glad. Put the life behind you, but the life never gets put behind you. We know that. So all in all with this, oh, man, the Sokovian got away. No, he wants to kill this guy because the guy blew up his family. He says that. Man, I thought I was undercover. Nobody knew, but then this guy found out. We don't really know why. At one point, he's like, oh, I also want it before I kill him, find out who hired him, because apparently he's like a hired bomber or whatever. Again, we don't really know. He doesn't wait. Joe says, it sucks. I don't know where he is. So then AAA goes, oh, I actually had already set up, without telling you already, by the way, that your bullets are tracer bullets. They're trackers. This is like after the fact writing, it seems. Like the idea, oh, crap, we got to do something, so we'll do that. There was one little panel where they showed the suitcase get shot, but it's very He wasn't shooting the case to track it because he had no idea. He was just trying to shoot at the Sokovian. And he goes off to follow the case, even though when they get to a spot, he goes in the subway and they can't track it. What what tracker is this? It's lame. So you say it costs a lot. They didn't pay enough. But all this then leads. I mean, this book just has things happen because then the Sokovian who just bombed, and you think he probably got some money to bomb the, I don't even want to call him the Punisher if they would think he's that at this point, but ex-Shield agent Joe Garrison's house, kill his family. Now the guy's also running a side hustle where he's going to Mr. Hyde and selling mutant growth hormone. That's where it, why he had the case. I'm like, what is this What is this guy, like a jack-of-all-trades? I don't know this guy, so I'm just saying he's a jack-off instead of a jack-of-all-trades, master of whatever. Because he's there all of a sudden, oh, man, blew up that guy. I'm going to retire soon, but i got to sell this growth hormone. I'm surprised Barry Bonds wasn't down there getting it. That's for John Wayne. So you end up where even that, you're going to play this game where, oh, Dr. Zabo, it's Mr. Hyde. We know it. Mr. Hyde's already Mr. Hyde, but here he is injecting himself with mutant growth hormone. He's got all this stuff going on. They're getting this from this Sokovian wall. Joe Garrison thinks of his family that we have no connection to. And then in the play of when, when the times get you know slow, when people aren't talking, I often go back and think about that exploding building that happened three hours ago. So he goes and he, he goes down into the, the subway. And there's the deal. Hey, he went in the subway and we lost track where <laughs> Punisher goes down. Joe Garrison goes down into the subway. Triple A hacks the... Uh, yeah, the surveillance. And then they see him go into one of those service tunnels. And then he goes down there. And then he just, you know, he's walking. He hears the subway train going overhead. He's like, you know, it's weird. Some part of this wall over here to my right, the acoustics are different than the rest of the walls. That must mean there's a false wall. That's the thing. There's no reason for this to be a false wall even it looks like they're just in a side room so he ends up like oh so he puts an explosive blows it up and there's mr hyde and his guns he's like oh you've saved us the trouble of finding you mr punisher sir you were just down there with your hormones so he ends up then injecting himself becomes mr hyde he's gonna attack but instead of it doing anything Joe Garrison ends up grabbing that suitcase of the mutant growth hormone and shoves it all into Mr. Hyde's mouth and says, he'll probably OD on that. I'm out of here. And then runs. In the meantime, he gets punched and stuff by Mr. Hyde, but he punches the case at one point. He's like, thank God that case saved. The way that that was punched into him, his innards are done. But he's like, oh, his ribs are broken. He's done. Concussion protocol. Looks like Mr. Hyde might be dead, but probably not. 
because he's Mr. Hyde. Oh, so, oh, I don't think anybody will miss him. I will also say at points, Joe Garrison, when you get close up, he looks a little like Tom Cruise, which completely makes sense here because the way things just kind of happen, this is like mission improbable. They end up on set. The Sokovian, which I forgot to mention, his name is Sergei Fedorov, you know, Hall of Fame hockey player, Detroit Red Wing, and maybe they're punishing him here. For dating slash maybe marrying Anna Kornikova back in the day He ends up grabbing a hostage And they're at the subway platform But they're on separate sides There's a subway car coming And even in this The Sokovian's like Hey, I'm going to hold this lady here And you're not going to do anything And we're going to get on this this subway car And you're not going to do anything And he's like, screw that So the train's going between them And he just takes a shot between the train Right through the forehead he's dead yeah but it has to be a fatal shot he wanted to capture him alive but it's like i i got no choice i gotta do a headshot that's the only way to save this lady he kills this guy and that's it that's the end yeah it, it ends with like the most eye-rolling narration because he's just like well now that he's been punished i'm gonna be here be punished for the rest of time because i know i'm not gonna find who hired the killer and it's just like he will yeah he will i don't care i, I don't know you this felt like i ended up where i'm at the bus station and some jerk off thinks he's Forrest Gump, but he's going to tell me his whole life story. I don't care. I don't have any connection to you. Like the guy's like, yep. And then they blew up my family. And then I went and shot this guy. I'm like, I really don't care what you're saying. I have no connection with you and you're boring. And this is boring. How can a Punisher book be boring? Well, I, we just cracked the code. Get David Propose to write it because this sucks. This sucked. And I, you know, I'm not even going to say I hate to say it because I'm actually pissed off to say it. Because don't think that he's a good writer in this whole deal where they just saddle him like, oh, you want to do some work? Do this crappy Punisher nobody will like. So we'll see. People give a 10 out of 10 say, it's a, oh, man, it's so refreshing. But yeah, with all that, what would you give it? Uh, you know, I want to go lower than a five. I do, but I really also want to say f- So I'm going to go f- five. But I'm going to give it a four. Four out of 10. Yeah, it just this is not good at all. It, it's basically like, I mean, what it is. They took a story already established that people liked and made it worse. Uh, there's no reason. If you're going to do this, there's no reason to not have Frank Castle in this book. Just bring Frank Castle back. What they should do is just leave the character be, wait a couple of years, and just bring him back normal. I don't think this is going to end up making anybody happy that's a Punisher fan. You're a fudge, you five, and I'm a four. Uh, but that is that. We're going to go off now. Hopefully the next book's a little better. We're going to go to Uncanny Spider-Man with me and Jason. And here I am with Jason, and we are going to be doing the Uncanny Spider-Man once again. What up, Jason? Hey, Jim. I I don't know if I'm old enough to read this book. It's uh, it's a little <laughs> little sexier than I expected. It little, is a little sexy. Kind of horny. It there, is. Really. Well, there you go. Well, he's got a crit. I'm telling you, Silver Sable has something with this tale that's way beyond just normal interest. Like, yeah, it really makes it, you right? think. That we know something about Cy Spurrier we don't want to know because he just, he's so into this tale. He just wants to go out and get tail. I think is what's going on. Yeah, but this is Uncanny Spider-Man number three. Written by Cy Spurrier, art by Javier Pina, art, our colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VC Joe Kermania. And I've enjoyed the first two issues. I even had some people were surprised that I ended up, I think I was surprised that I did enjoy it enough. But I like Kurt, and I like the idea of him just, Trying to have a good time. You yeah, can get the I, I idea. I think you liked the second one even better than I did. Because I was I was looking for more X-Men content and wasn't getting it. Whereas this issue, I think the tables <laughs> Here are we go. turned a little oh, bit. Oh, they're turned all right. <laughs> it's like some evil plan of yours. You've turned the tables. Because really, my whole play of this issue is going to be 
All right, this is more Jason's thing because I have told people I'm not it's really reading all the X-Men things. stuff. It even has Eternal stuff in here. I was not expecting Eternal's content in this book. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's odd, especially I guess this week we have Thanos. Uh, there's a new number one. Mm-hmm. He was kind of embroiled with them as well. So maybe they're coming back like like Alf and the Pugs. But we, we start off this deal and you go right away because I'm telling you where I thought this was a fun book. We're following Kurt. You kind of get the idea that Kurt doesn't want to really deal with the big troubles that have happened recently. So he's playing Spider-Man. He's doing his deal. He's having some fun with it. In the meantime, he's trying to find mystique as mom things like that like you said though this issue goes heavy on a lot of different things that i'm not really familiar with as much so you just start out and even the narration i thought got a little bit i i even applauded size spurrier because it didn't seem like a normal size spurrier book at points it was easy to follow I, that's gone with me now. I ended up having a lot of problems even it from the start. It does have some heavy narration at the beginning, but it is from actual characters in the book, which I always appreciate more than just the omniscient external narration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. know who it is right away. It turns out to be Nimrod and the Vulture. And and it works out. I mean, once you get to Nimrod, I mean, he has a Nimrod, right? He ends up where that is that type of narration. It's something that if you're not into the X-Men stuff or whatever and you just pop in, though, it did throw me for a loop right away. Mm-hmm. I ended up, once I saw Nimrod, I'm like, okay, that, like you said, it makes sense. I get it now. It's going. But you described the scene because in this, it still has a little bit of fun, but the fun factor, I think, is, is really pulled down this issue. Well, we, we know that Orcus has been using these kind of glowing red control what's to make characters do bad things so that Orcus can get PR victories over them. And in this place, they've gone huge. They've taken this excessively deviated deviant named Gap the Integument, a kaiju size, the giant, you know, your Godzilla type size thing, and they're controlling him. And the plan is for their sentinels to take out this deviant and have Orcus look good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically like the fire company that, oh man, the one guy there, he's setting the fire so they could be the yeah, first it's, ones it's there your, and they do it. It's the, the fire dog, False flag, whatever you want to call it. It works. And, and the thing is about it is. You're like, yeah, that, that happens. I, like you said, there's a lot of instances or at least movies and things like that. I, now, so I, I do got to wonder, the Eternals should show up like three seconds into this because their whole point is that they're, they were created by the Celestials to correct excess deviation. So deviants are usually kind of wacky looking but normal dudes. And at some unpredictable time, they're going to spring into excess deviation and turn into monsters and just start killing stuff, and then the Eternals are biologically programmed to have to, to go and them. take care of it. Yeah, and like you said, you're waiting for it. I even saw you in the Slack chat asking, like, you know, what's up with the Eternals? Because they should be coming here, and I don't know that there must be a reason that they don't, but even so, they don't, and yeah. you end up well, where Kurt Cy didn't want to get into that whole thing. He just wanted some big showy opening action piece, and so Kurt shows up and ruins things by destroying the control thing, the control gem, whatever that red flash Which light he is. has been trying to do. He tried yeah. to do it with Rhino. It's the thing that affects Which, him. So in he a way, he's the, setting the this deviant free, but again, <laughs> it's going to walk two, two minutes <laughs> that, down the road and the Eternals are going to kill him because you, they can't exist in this excessively deviated state. They're going to get killed. It's just how And it if for some reason, the Eternals can't, they just going to go through New York City and rip it apart, maybe. But Yeah, it's not like, oh, I'm not being controlled. I'm a nice guy now. No, no, he's... He's a ravening, monstrous beast. That's what that's what happens. That's you know, it's a Jack Kirby thing. It's 
Well, we even found out in uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers, the very first arc of that, we learned all about how this excess deviation comes from that progenitor celestial goop way back then. Yep, yeah. It is funny because when he does go, it is almost like, well, I'm going to take my big tentacle monster button. Uh-huh, get out of here. But yeah, that's not what, how it would work. But you do have Kurt, and he's still trying to be funny. And I get it. I mean, the idea where he's not exactly getting all the quips right, but it's kind of funny. He's remember trying. The you can tell. Then, you know, I'm sure we've all been there where you're kind of in a down mood, having a rough time, but you try to be ha-ha funny guy. And it comes through pretty well, I think, that that's what he's trying yeah, to I do. Yeah, I thought that that's good. And again, I say that because some people might like read this. And I, I see a lot of people. And when I ended up even putting this on YouTube, me and you talking, a lot of people just don't want to read it or they don't want to enjoy it just because uh, like they have this idea Kurt's taking over for Peter and this. And I'm like, no, it's kind of like a, you know, a therapy type deal. And the yeah, reason why Peter is down with it. And Peter seems like he's down with it because he realizes that Kurt kind of needs it. He's not doing any harm. And really, what else is Kurt going to, you know, he doesn't want him to get, you know, caught by a sentinel and stuff yeah, like that as well. he wants to be well, so a friendly neighborhood kind of superhero, right? And so Spider-Man, there it goes. He doesn't want to go to the cosmic, world-saving, world-changing stuff. He's had enough of that. He's kind of worn down by that. But he still wants to be a good guy, wants to be a superhero. Just on a smaller scale. And and it's funny, too, because even when me and you started the size of Zeb Wells uh, Spider-Man run, when we ended up having that deal, and yeah, in the background it was, hey, everybody hates Peter, everything's going. Remember, we actually thought that it was kind of a fun play that was at the beginning, that when he became Spider-Man, he enjoyed, like that was his, like, all right, let's get the weight of the world off and I'm going to have fun as Spider-Man. And we kind of saw, and that's kind of what Kurt's doing. He just wants to be fun. And if you want to have fun, uh, Spider-Man's probably the best version of a hero that you can try to be. He's not trying to take over anything. It's just kind of a wacky thing he's doing. But yeah, but then we go back and again, you you go through the because it it's Nimrod and Vulture. It's here, so yeah. heavy here, and it lost me a bit. I have to admit. So yeah, uh, Tombs the Vulture is working for Orcus, and this thing with the uh, the controlled people, whatever he calls them. Uh, the stuff with the control collars on, they're just kind of a temporary thing because what he's really working on are his hounds. And hounds is a loaded term in X-Men world. They originally appeared in the uh, Futures Past. Uh, what was that? that? Yeah. yeah. Days of Futures Past. Days of Future Past. So it's it's really it's mutants that have been mind mind-washed, brainwashed to hunt down other mutants. That's the, the basic meaning of them. And what he's got here is he's got this secret person that Nimrod brought in or tombs to use to build his hounds. And it turns out at the end that this is Warlock. And this is a big thing in X-Men stuff and especially in Cy Spurrier's series of books because Nimrod had, well, kind of Nimrod killed Warlock. Really, Nimrod poisoned Warlock or took him over and somebody else had to kill him. So we all thought that Warlock's been dead. And Warlock is this phalanx techno-organic creature who's super buddy-buddy with uh, Doug Ramsey, who is Cypher. Yeah, it's so funny, too, because, again, I, I remember when Warlock showed up at points, and but when we get to the end of here, and when it is revealed it's Warlock, like, you're there, like, holy crap. Like, I, I'm, you might have even went and told Ruben, oh, my God, we saw Warlock in the Uncanny Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I, I hinted to Ruben in the yeah, X-Men. So you have that, one. because you think he's probably going to read it, right? So you didn't want to spoil it. But right. I'm, I'm reading, and I'm like, Oh, cool. Warlock. <laughs> and and they, they planted some seeds, too, because if you look back at issue one of this series, we saw Feral, who was that, that other creature that Tombs had trapped. 
she had little techno organic bits of stuff kind of attached to her. So he was hinting at this. It does make sense. Oh yeah, he had Warlock. It's funny. That's the that's the reason and the and it, it works the way I remember Warlock. Anytime he shows up, I'm like, oh look at that. Oh that techno like he has that techno organic. So like you know, at the end, I'm like, oh crap, Warlock. But it, I didn't realize it was a like it was a non wow moment wow moment for me because I thought it was kind of cool that I actually knew the character. And when he's affecting other people, but in the meantime, I didn't realize it was that big. But yeah, that's the whole thing. And I, I here's the the other part. I, I know that there's going to be people out there who like Nimrod. I know that we're not really supposed to like Nimrod, and you know, pretty much mission accomplished because I never, I hate Nimrod. I can't stand him. I, I just, but I can't. There's parts that I can't stand him because of the story, but also I just can't stand him. And this dialogue again is over the top a bit, but it works. And it has that deal, and these are characters that, you know, Seisper uses. But I, Vulture, I started feeling bad for. I, I just, I, I was Vulture? having, yeah, I, well, I was having fun with him in that, was it the first issue, I guess, where we're like, oh man, look at him. And he's giving all these titles, and I'm like, oh, he's in big trouble. Like, he's getting, you know, ripped apart and whatnot. But you also have Silver Sable, because that's the whole play. I love the idea that they're, they're paying, and uh, you got that play here too that made me giggle. And Silver Sable, she doesn't necessarily say it, but they're being paid by the hour, it seems. If you end up getting Kurt within two hours, you're not going to get paid that much. But if you end up not getting them, and they're they like, we're paying a lot of money to well, these people. She is and very clear anything. that when she's off duty, she is off duty, right? There's no, no unpaid overtime for sure. And I just love the idea, though, that it isn't that much of a priority for them to get because then they stop getting paid. It's, it was kind of a funny play, but we see she's shacking up uh, with Kurt. Kind of. Which is I mean, kind of, they're, they're uh, you know, out on a rooftop under the stars, completely buck naked. And yeah, this is a more explicit panel than I expected to see when I turned the page. My goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, you actually see like booby almost like this is really you know yeah, more risque it's, it's than kind I thought. Of in the shadow, but it's like less shadow than like the bat dong was. I mean, and you know what's funny about it? It's in the shadow, but you still end up having like motion lines. I'm like, I don't know about this. I'm a bit of a prude, so I look at it. I'm like, okay, but it is kind of a funny, almost like a Batman S deal too with Catwoman out there on the deal. But this is an extended scene, but I did like it. I like them talking about the stuff. And about, you know, I'm when I when I'm off, I'm off and you got me off, baby. I mean, that's the whole play <laughs> with this. But she is going to keep trying to get him in the business side of things. But they have pleasure. Right. And, it's and like she wants that, that old cartoon where the what the fox and the hound are like punching in, punching out of their jobs. And once they're off duty, they can hang out and have a beer. Yeah, they're just hanging and they're hanging here and, uh, you know, talking about what this whole thing means, and it kind of jumps between the two. You know, you have sort of say, "Well, hey, we're having fun." Oh, this is just fun for you. Well, yeah, we we don't have that cross. Then they start singing song. They start singing a Lila Cheney song, which is I didn't need that so much. Kurt says that she was torn in half at the gala. I don't remember seeing that, but a lot of people were torn in half at the gala, so maybe I missed it. Yeah. So yeah, and he even and at the one point when you have someone, hey, what happened there? I haven't heard. And you have that imp again. And he's like, rut row, as if, and I didn't, I didn't get it. I thought that I'd missed something. But as you're saying, we didn't really see that. But yeah, she's, she's dead with her stupid songs. And you even get the lyrics printed out. I'm like, now you're going too far. Yeah. It, it, and it reads like a, a uh, who's that guy on the Jetsons? Jet Screamer. It reads like an eep, op, oop, ork, ah, ah kind of song. Y- you say this. And the other day we end up, I'm on 
the DC podcast with uh, my I man heard, Eric. Yeah, I remember. We got done, I think it was like the first section of books. And for some reason, I just started singing that song. Oh, I love it. And I, I, I'm telling you, I get that mixed up then with the Flintstones song that's very similar as well. <laughs> but yeah, we were doing and we were laughing at Jet Screamer because I looked it up and things is funny that you brought it up. But yeah, you end up reading this, and who's going to sit there and care? You it's, know what I it's, mean? The X-Books, they feel like they have to have two data pages per issue, and this was a silly enough way to do it, but- It's okay. Yeah, it, yeah. He seems to have spent like about two minutes on these lyrics, so it was not a not a great lyric show. He's no no Len McCartney, I got to tell you that much. No, no. And at, at points when at DC, when you have Etrigan, and they have to have the rhyming, and sometimes <laughs> they'll try to do it, and sometimes they're just like, they're not even caring to go with it, but- the whole play, again, is that Kurt and Silverstein, when they're clocked out, they're going to do this stuff. But, hey, I'm going to get you. I'm not going to, you know, once I'm on the job, I'm going to try to get you. But then Kurt, he gets his pants on, thank God. And then he, you know, bamps out. He goes off. And you had some, as the imp is talking to him about, you know, different things throughout this issue, almost revealing more of what's happening. But. He ends up going and bamfing out to get to Mystique because Mystique is in trouble being chased down by some hounds. Well, he's decided, oh, maybe now I should let her know that I'm actually her son. So we still don't know why he changed his mind, why he didn't do that last issue, but here he is. So he's going to let her know, and she runs past, and she seems you know, crazed again. She, 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 they took my baby. I'm here in the forest of Bavaria. So, oh, so maybe she's just out of her mind, but no, she's really being chased. By these hounds. So she's crazy, but she's not completely crazy. Yeah. And I mean, she's running with a knife in one hand, a gun in the other, yelling about her baby, but she is legitimately, she realizes she's in trouble and she is getting chased there. And then you see the hounds. And even then, when Kurt's like, what, what, who's chasing you? And then you have the deal with, you know, the hounds, Kurt, the hounds of hell. And you see these switched up characters. And so we're going to play this deal that we see that people are being changed and it, it gets even worse as we go, right? Yeah. So it's Feral who we saw being worked on issue one and with her is Dagger who we saw out in the open looking around for her buddy Cloak last issue. So she found something, but it wasn't what she was looking for. Yeah. And it kind of made me sad because I, I do like Dagger and she, you know, she was Doesn't have looking a scooter for her anymore. buddy. No, no, the scooter's gone. I, I just thought, oh, after Kurt left her, they just came and grabbed her and, and turned her. And again, at that point, I think that you more in the know and seeing that you like, oh, crap, Warlock stuff is happening. I didn't here. think you about see. that when I saw it. Well, this first time, because we didn't know the Warlock reveal until the end. But like, well, in retrospect, you flip back and oh, yeah, that, that makes total sense because you see the little circuit board looking techno stuff on it. Exactly. But you could have thought because we did. It's a good play by Sersberry because we did see Feral being worked on. So. It could have been something else, but once you see that it is Warlock, then you kind of, it does make sense going back through it again. But the big play again was, oh man, I wonder where Cloak is. Well, we, we find out Cloak is turned as well. So yeah, he got caught first and he was the one who caught Dagger. And it's weird because he's about to, I, I don't really understand his powers. He's about to catch Kurt and take him back, I think, but then. There's a higher priority target, and that's Mystique. So Kurt only gets away because he goes to get Mystique instead, and then Kurt uses his Hope Sword to take down Cloak. Yeah, and it's it was a crazy deal. I mean, like you said, he's about to get you know Kurt, and then you go and they're like, oh no, well this is it for Mystique. Mystique's going to get captured, 
and Kurt's going to be up, up, but Kurt does, you know, double around, does a Yui, and ends up using the sword. But the thing is, he's like, he stops Cloak, and he's like, all right, well, this is done. I don't want you to do this. And then Mystique <laughs> just walks over and shoots his head off, and they all yeah. freak out. You know, With, they, they just a up. plain old regular gun, nothing mutant, nothing high tech, just blammo right in the head. So we thought he's dead, but no, no, Mystique's on top of things. Like, he's not finished. Come with me, weird Spider-Man person. We're going to hide in this garbage so the hounds can't smell us anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like Terminator. Come with me if you want to live. And she does. She's like, we got to jump yeah. in this trash. And, and then Cloak rises back up, goes back into his cloak form, and he says, oh, I, I can't smell anybody anymore, so I guess I'll smell you later. Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it's funny because at that point you see, like, Kurt, though, he was you know, friendly with that. He doesn't really know Cloak's powers, like the the whole set here, because he's just yelling, and you kill him, you kill him. One thing I them. wonder, it's always been, as far as I know in the past, to be a hound, you have to be a mutant who's hunting mutants. Now, Cloak and Dagger have been mutants slash non-mutants back and forth for decades, but for like the past 10 plus years, they've been, Marvel says, nope, nope, they are 100% not mutants. But now if they're hounds... Is Marvel telling us actually they're mutants again now? I don't know. Maybe maybe hounds got broadened out, or maybe something weird is going on with Cloak. And yeah, Dagger. maybe it has been broadened out because they because it is tough when you're trying to use mutants to hunt and mutants. We saw but all the, the last mutants issue are dead. that the Sentinel at first thought that Cloak, or excuse me, that Dagger was a mutant. Checked her out, but I decided, oh, not quite false alarm. So she was on the edge already. Yep. Yes, yeah, so we'll have to see how that is. But yeah, you have a bunch of. Mutants being grabbed and pulled around and things like this. It's pretty crazy. But you end up where Mystique and Kurt did escape by jumping in the trash. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have, like, crap hanging off them or whatever. They just kind of get out. Or stink lines or something. Yeah, yeah. And so they're talking about, and again, you're seeing some things where the little Banff imp is talking about how Kurt's trying to just avoid stuff and not think of stuff. And, hey, you know... All this stuff where you were a monster at one point, all this stuff that you're trying to stop, but there's some craziness happening. And and still with the point where Kurt doesn't understand why exactly the Sentinel didn't, you know, track him when, when it came in and there's mention of yeah, Legion little, might be one the of the reasons. Banff takes credit for it because of me. Nimrod says, Oh, he was hanging around with Legion and you know, Legion is this super powerful reality warper son of Xavier who's kind of off on another plane at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's kind of strange. And the BAMP also reminds Kurt, hey, you recognize that techno-organic-y stuff on those hounds, and we get a panel that has Warlock in it, showing you know the end of Warlock, basically, at the end of Legion of X, issue number 10, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, at that pit bit, and they said, you know, Supervisor Tombs has made Warlock into war paint, and then you but, end but up before, where... I do love seeing in the background... Uh, Mystique seeing Kurt kind of freaking out, talking to his invisible friends, and she just fades back into bearded guy and just <laughs> wanders off. Yeah, like, yeah like, it's just like, all I'm right. I'm crazy, but this dude is crazy. Yeah, I'm out of yeah, here. I actually really felt like it was like, yeah, I don't like this guy. This guy fades into the out. bushes like Homer Simpson, yeah. And one of the things in this, though, that the BAMP imp feel that I like is in this, it almost like I like. This imaginary, as far as we know, in the head is like try to take credit for things. But I also get that idea. It's trying to make itself be more like I'm the reason these things are happening. So you can't get rid of me. Like it, it's one of those things that Kurt is using this in his mind and doing things, but it does not want to leave. It, it doesn't like doesn't want the problems to really be solved, but also to prove 
hey, I'm the one who did that. I'm the one who does this. I'm the one who's keeping them away just to kind of stick around. I kind of like the little guy. I like that he's sassy. He yells at Kirk a lot. <laughs> Kirk gets upset. Even when the idea like, yeah, you're going to tell your mom this. And it, I, I do like him. But overall, I said, though, this issue, and probably can tell, I, like there are a lot of spots of this issue that I completely was lost, that I didn't know the, you know, the big things going on or what this character has been doing or even like a warlock i haven't seen warlock in quite some time i have no idea and i assume that most of the mutants have had problems recently and then orcas but i didn't know you know that this guy that guy or whatnot at the end we see vultures all you know uh, warlocked up too so he has like a, a, a suit of clothes basically made out of this organic stuff and he's caught these other three mutants i don't recognize who they are i'm sure some you know really into the X-Men people would recognize, or maybe they're brand new character, but he's caught and they're like, that's, that's who the hounds went to find after they, they hit in the garbage. So the hounds are working. They just haven't found their main targets yet. And Vulture looks really scary here. So, you know, Vulture goes back and forth between looking like a real badass and looking like a doddering old man. And here he's, he's definitely much in the, uh, the scary badass category. Oh yeah. Looks like he's like working out too. Once he puts that suit on, he's got some, you know, rip deal going. I think it's all suit though. I'd love he like takes off the suit. It's one of those, you know, muscle suits. Right. <laughs> like, really? Like did you have costumes. to go with that? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, he muscles. didn't have to do that. He's like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I want to look pretty sexy. But he it's does with the organic. Fly better. Shut up. Oh yeah. yeah. With, with the whole organic deal, even in the wings, it's pretty badass. I like he does look more threatening than he has in quite some time in this whole play. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool, and that he wants to get immortality and things like that. But yeah, you know, everybody wants that. But uh, what would you give this? Yeah, I enjoy this a lot. I I think the art looks great. I loved all the connections to the the past continuity because I I'm reading all those books. So for me, that was like a bonus. So uh, you know, some of it's a little more confused than it has to be. I do want to know more about what's going on with those Bamfs. I do think that Kurt should have told his mom, hey, mom, it's me. Uh, but at the end, I'm going to give this book, I'm going to give it the same thing that Kurt gave to Silver Sable. A solid seven and a half, Jim. <laughs> oh, solid my. You're talking his tail. I don't... Yeah, I'm, I'm going sure. go, to go six, five. Six, five. What, that's what Kurt does when he like is in, you know, a shrinkage, uh, I'll say. <laughs> he ended up, he was in the jacuzzi. But yeah, end up where, again, that is only a point lower is because I didn't know that some of these things were as big. Though I kind of recognize some of it, but not this all This issue of it. is not as standalone, self-contained as the first couple issues made it seem like it might be. Yeah, and, and so with that too, Kurt, pretty down the whole issue. Like, he was trying to have fun for that, like, couple panels, but a lot more was serious. But I did I did like the stuff with him. And so we'll say, well, you're getting the stuff with Mystique where it's like that classic of a movie or whatever where they're like, I have one thing to tell this person, and then they meet up, and he, they don't say it, and then they get killed. Like, I'm like, come on, Kurt, just tell her. Tell her, and yeah. this could solve I, again, a lot going on. We know that there's this special X-Men Blue Origins coming up after the next issue, so nothing's really going to be revealed until then, which is a shame. It is a shame, and it kind of gets to the play where you're like, oh, man, like if you're not going to do it, then maybe avoid a lot of it, but you're going to do it in that special, so... They're not going to reveal that sort of thing here. So with that, though, still 6.5. I still like it. And I do like the art. So you have that. And yeah, maybe maybe it'll convince me eventually to get back on the X train. But I, I don't think I don't think that one's pulling into Quakertown anytime soon for me to well, jump the, on. But we'll for see. For folks who aren't following the X-Men, they're all the whole Krakoan thing is going to wrap up about next June, it seems. 
So if you're if you're hoping you're waiting for the new continuity to start, whatever the the Tom Brevoort X Men are going to be, it'll happen sometime after June 2024. So it's and on its way. Me, yeah, for me, it's more of I'm going to see creative teams and see what books and things like that. But once we get those sort of announced, maybe yeah, I'll get no excited. hints at all about that. Yeah, we have lots and lots of books being announced. It seems every week we have another book announced for you know telling the story of the end of Krakoa, but we don't know what's coming next. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see, but. With all that, reminding everybody that on this feed that you're listening to right now, you can go and listen to our X-Men show with Jason and Ruben talking Ruben. through the X stuff. Ruben. Oh, my God, Ruben. But everybody go check out Ruben and Jason on the Weird Dose of X on this deal because they go through all of the books, or at least the ones they can take. So we will go now, and I believe now we're going to go to me and Gray. So it's Ooh. just going to get longer. Me and Gray talking about a what if. And to end things off, I have my man, Gray. What up, Gray? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Oh, lovely. We're here for What If. And have you been reading any of these What If Darks? I've read a couple. I can't remember exactly which ones because they didn't leave much of an impression, unfortunately. Yeah. I I read the Loki one that started out. So I got the same impression, like the idea. Yeah, these aren't that great. And I think that it's that crazy deal. Like, What Ifs, kind of cool. But you have big ones, you know, you you have big ideas. And these are things that maybe you could have conversations at a comic book store or online. Man, what if Rick Jones was the Hulk? Or what if you have, you always want like, what if this character ended up being like the uh, Galactus's Herald? Things Mm, like wacky things like that. They're big things that you're like, oh, that'd be cool. I wonder what happens. Then you get into these and this one in particular, the what if Dark Tomb of Dracula. I can barely find where the what if is. It just feels like a Blade story gone wrong at the end, but there's mm. no real big what if. And even then, when you end up having these, in my mind, you do have like, what if Blade never got turned into a half vampire? What if this person ended up being Blade? This is just what if Dark Tomb of Dracula. And you jump in, and I don't know how many people are huge Tomb of Dracula fans and have read everything. But they do end up having Marv Wolfman, co-creator of Blade, doing this. And he wrote Tomb of Dracula, all these things going on. So I think that maybe he thinks at this point that a lot of people know what he's doing here. Because me and you, unfortunately, we don't know too much about the Tomb of Dracula stuff. We we love Blade, so we're here mm. for Blade. And then when you get into it, though... I struggle to find the what if, and it just seems at the end is, hey, what if uh, Blade ended up dying? I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. There's a little, like, somewhat twist, but it doesn't feel like a twist, but we'll see how this goes. It is What If Dark, the Tomb of Dracula, written by Marv Wolfman, David Cutler on pencils, inks by Scott Hanna, David Cutler, Victor Olazaba, and Liv Say. I don't know why we have that many anchors. Cutler's by Antonio Fabella, D. Conif, or Knif. And Edgar Delgado, VCs Travis Lanham on letters. Too many people you're paying for this thing. Uh, and again, it's it's pretty bad. It's non-offensive bad. You end up kind of scratching your head at the end. If you like Marv Wolfman and kind of give the idea of like, hey, I want to support him a little. Yeah, I like Marv Wolfman. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to read it and review it with you. is just because it was Marv Wolfman doing it. Me too. I was excited for that. Yeah, like you say, because it was him, Jim. And I've read a few of the old 70s run, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. And they're really good. He did a really good run, didn't he, on Tomb of Dracula. It's one, one of the most popular ones, I think, from the 70s. Yeah, and I, I ended up reading a couple. I haven't read all of Tomb of Dracula. No, but me I've neither. read, you know, Blade's first deal. And I've read a couple issues. 
different ones that kind of get suggested to read, and they're pretty good. And mm-hmm. so in this, I don't know if maybe it's like even the art, which it's okay. There's a point when Dracula and Blade both become bats, and you, it was hard to tell the difference between them. Also, at one point, do you, do you think, because in my mind, it's a weird play, like you ended up having the art and then they stretched it a bit because there's some panels, especially with Blade, where his face looks kind of like elongated, like horizontal. It was very odd. Yes. It just kind of threw me off. It's a bit all over the place at times, isn't it? It's not very consistent. And you were saying like, there's a lot of inkers on that. Maybe they had to rush it. Jim. Maybe that was it. Maybe they were trying to get this thing and this guy did that while the other did that. I don't know. But in the whole play, it's kind of a house-style cartoon even deal. And I think that maybe it should have been more of a horror feel. I and do. maybe just yeah. go full out into the horror because the art wasn't very horrific in that way. It wasn't gritty. It didn't feel dark. Everything felt bright and just kind of a bit cartoony. And that kind of threw me off. But you end up starting out in this and you have this was then and you have Dracula. He's going to go and kill Harker. And he has kind of realized, OK, he's trapped. He's in this opera house. I can go get him. And then at the last second, he just kind of chucks him off the balcony, but he doesn't kill him. He then goes off to attack a woman, and then that woman ends up being protected by Frost, Deacon Frost, who isn't you know, a vampire yet, because then Dracula turns him for then for him to get the call that Blade's mom is giving birth. So he goes off, fights the mom, and thus we have Blade. So a lot of that is a little different. As far as I, but not that much different. We get Blade. He's raring to go. Harker is crippled now. Dracula wonders what the heck's going on. Because Dracula, through this, is kind of concerned. Why did I go off? Why didn't I take care of Harker completely? Why did I go there? And, like, is that the, like, that's not really the what if, because it, it just changes things that ended up being the same things anyway. So when you get this, really, it ends up being a book where there might be some cool ideas. There's not enough room for him. So what Marv Wolfman's going to do is, in his head, I guess, let me show random scenes as we lead to the end that might have been cool, but they're only mm. little, a little bit odd or a little bit different. They're, but most people won't even know the difference, and most people want to see some of the cooler things expanded because the actual what-if story isn't that great. So you, you get 27-year-later jumps that Blade's 27. So we can have him going. Dracula hears, oh, man, this Harker guy, he has teamed up with a bunch of vampire hunters. This is bull crap. I got to take care of this. And so he goes to take care of it, but pretty much gets Blade first, runs in the Blade. But Blade has his team here. This is what I want to see more of. You end up having Rachel Van Helsing. You have Blade. You have Frank Drake and Quincy Harker. Harker is in what looks like a military-based Missile launching wheelchair I'm like alright That's pretty cool Also people don't know Frank Drake He's a descendant of uh, Dracula So you have mm. some cool things here yeah, and Obviously Rachel Van Helsing And yeah, mm. it's like hey we're going to take care of you Dracula And Dracula's like oh crap This is too much for me And leaves So that when he leaves he's like looking over London town And thinks man And, and you're Getting a story here where there's a little play, like there's some interesting thing of maybe Dracula realizing, I don't know how this world works anymore with the kids no. and their TikToks. 
and this and them. So like, and then he's trying to adjust. He has this weird play of like, maybe I don't understand how everything ticks now. I'm behind in the times. I got to get up to speed. Is this, Jim, is, is this meant to be now? Like this 27 years later, do you think it's meant to be? The art like throws me off. I'm not sure what, you know, where we are, what decades, whereabouts. Um, yeah, you know, time setting's weird, isn't it? Yeah, and you're right because of the idea, like you would think at a point, oh, when he gets turned, like 27 years later would now be the 70s yeah, of yeah. the deal but it looks like i'm telling you london looks very modern it does look modern and then sometimes it looks old it's weird it's a weird you mix. have one little weird play where you have a toys r us and they're kind of not around anymore so does that give you a play but to me it looks That's modern right. but even so it's you know old school dracula he would even have problems you know in any sort of deal but he's trying to figure this out and then says oh what i think i'll do is I will just send out my minions. I haven't fed these vampires, and they'll just kill people. Mm. But there's no real rhyme or reason for these things. These no, are there's no just setup. Kind of, there. Yeah. Just like happens, and you get the cool team: Helsing, Blade, Drake, Harker. That is kind of a, a part of a bunch of different teams. You end up Midnight Suns. You end up having uh, the Night Stalkers. But this isn't quite the full deal, and there's some mix and match. But you want to see more of that team. I know. You do nothing with them. You set them up. It's like, oh, great. This team looks cool. And then nothing happens, does it? It's like just Blade and Dracula. <laughs> They're there. They're only in one other scene because where Blade goes, and again, it's I'm going to get everybody to attack everybody in London, and I'm going to get them. And then Blade shows up to be like, okay, I'm going to end up you know, taking care of that. It's holiday time. There's a lot of crowds, and you end up having the attack by these vampires and then blade shows up to stop it but then gets bitten by dracula so there might be the what if this is the what if isn't it yeah you know we're already halfway through and we're already throwing things at everybody kind of to confuse them but so the what if a blade could blade be turned could he become full vampire well he goes back to his apartment and he ends up Fighting his girlfriend Saf and turning her into a vampire, Dracula says, "Just as I commanded you." Blade says, "No, I'm still doing on my own volition. I wanted to turn her so we could be together forever. Let's fight." Bat as well. This bat fight. This made me laugh. I know I shouldn't. Not meant to be laughing, but it just does look stupid. The faces on these bats. It's like, okay, I think I can tell who they are now. But you were saying it's very bright. It's very colorful all the way through, and that that spoils the atmosphere for me. This idea of Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And writing the script might have sounded pretty cool. We'll yeah. have Dracula and Blade as, as back. It's very cartoony. It ends up looking like Furbies with wings. It does. <laughs> At one point, you end up where Dracula's like, I'm going to take you down. I'll just kill you. Because you end up where Dracula's, what happened? I thought I turned you. And then Blade's like, I'm only half vampire. Well, that's what you've always been. He goes, well, I'll kill you. Slices his throat. Blade as the bat falls and then just doesn't. And he's just all right. Flies he's, away. He's, he's calling Dracula, Dracula. Like, yeah, and, and then so he, yeah, he's like calling, paging Dracula, paging Dracula. <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. And so you end up, even at that one panel, when you look and he's falling, it's like you, you have to give a giggle when he's like, oh no, like I don't even know what's going on in that. So he ends up paging Dracula and then says, oh man, I'll get you later. And so then you go back and you see that team again, and this is the only other page with them, where 
They're like, I don't know. And you don't even get exactly what they're saying at first, but then you can kind of make, they think that he's turned full vampire. Right. And he tells them, no, I haven't with the idea. Listen, you tan and vampires, you know, they end up getting killed by the sun. I do neither. So I'm cool, right? They're like, yeah, whatever. And he has a plan. I'm in control. There's nothing to this. And then no. you go off then. Dracula goes back to Castle Dracula. He has his brides there. He's in a bad mood, Jim. He's steaming, in it. He? Yeah, oh, he's mad. And he comes <laughs> and he gets one of the ladies. And he's like, hey, get over here, bride. I want to know, why did I not kill Harker? Why did I go off and attack that rando lady? His poor bride has been sitting on just a throne of skulls in Transylvania. How the heck does she know? I she know. says, uh, maybe she didn't please you. But I will. And that's the thing. These ladies are just like whatever Dracula says. If Dracula comes in and says, I love you. Yeah. They're they're sycophants, which he says. But that's what he set them up to be. When he comes in, these are the ladies where he's like, man, I don't think I'm a very good Dracula. No, man, you're the best Dracula. He's like, all right. They're the the hype men (laughs) or ladies. You know, that's it. He's like, man. Like, Blade, he's pretty cool. I wish I was. You're cool, Dracula. You're cooler than him. He's like, all right, let's go. So he says, why, now, in this place, says, why did I go after that woman instead of Harker as I had planned? He was my enemy. She was nobody. This poor vampire lady has no clue what he's saying. Even what she responds doesn't make sense. Maybe she didn't please him. Well, it was a nobody. It pleased nothing. He ended up going and kill her. And he's like, ah, you useless sycophant cracks her neck. I'm like, really? Like, that's just what you get for being like the that. hype lady. <laughs> you just try to that's be nice. That's what loyalty gets you with Dracula. That's what you. gets you with Dracula. So then Dracula's really mad. Like, hey, let's. You're waiting for Dracula, like, what he really. Like, in this, the what if to me then becomes like, man, I kind of like Blade because he talks crap to me and gives it to me real. He gives me the real talk. Like, I want it to end with Dracula there. Blade comes in, turns the chair around, spins his hat, and talks to the kids. Talks to the Dracula like a real pre- No, he's like, hey, all you minions, come on Let's gather, he's like going through the streets Just gathering up the vampires and says Alright, we're gonna take care Of Blade, goes back To the castle, which now Blade has killed everybody in And just Blade One minute Dracula has an army Of the undead, doesn't he? One minute he opens the door Next minute, they're gone, they're all dead They were, they were, they were behind you, weren't they? What, Here's a on? funny play here There's only one little panel you have to look at it. it's Because almost all of them are dead The yeah. rest of them run You, you see them behind Dracula oh, I yeah. it out. I'm like, <laughs> I totally missed it Like Dracula <laughs> controls them they, they wouldn't run Dracula would send them ahead So Blade and Dracula go at it and they start fighting, and here is the big twist. The idea where Dracula's fighting, and he says to Blade, Ah, guess what? Guess what, Blade? You're really turning into a full vampire. I can tell, because look at the way you're fighting. I'm like, no, no, he's just I'm making Dracula. you angry, Anna. Yeah, yeah, angry. But Blade, to me, isn't like, it's not like a Doctor Strange who's like always trying to be calm, and he's like almost like a robot at times. Uh, not giving Cumberbatch, you know, any dissing there because he's a gem. But Blade's a guy who comes in angry. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he's got that, oh, that yeah. action attitude. movie lines, right? The attitude. So when Dracula's like, I can tell. Look at you. But he is kind of turning more vampiric. And then Blade gets mad. He kills Dracula for what I will have to remind everybody. 
the eight millionth time. Dracula constantly dies and comes back. So, Jim, just look at this panel as well. When he kills it, one minute Dracula's got his head. Next minute, he's got no head. And there's, there's no, like explanation for that and i think that the idea where to kill him you're gonna behead him but it looks like okay. he stabs him through the heart he looks but then like that, they yeah. messed it up and thought that he beheaded him it makes no <laughs> sense so <laughs> then blade oh throws his wooden blades aside and he calls harker do it do what i want I, at this point i kind of you know, and I'm a dummy. I figured out, okay, what's going to happen is he's going to kill himself because he doesn't want to become full vampire. He actually realized it before yeah. he set this up. And he's like, do it. Blow up Castle Dracula. All right. And they drop a firebomb on it. And it goes up. Everybody burns inside. Blade dies. Dracula's already dead again, but he'll die. And then you end up where Harker and the uh, Drake and Rebecca, or Rachel, I'm sorry, Rachel Hel- Van Helsing, they're watching it burn. And like, man, that was pretty crazy. And even then when he calls, he's like, hey, Parker, what up, Blade? Don't call me Blade. Call me Eric. And they have to correct each other when they're watching it burn. And like, well, Frank, Rachel, I think we're done. We should go. And then Rachel goes, sounds about right. And then it says, what if that were the end i'm like well what if what if this was good because it wasn't it was bad the what if they're so watered down now i'm waiting for the what if bruce banner was lactose intolerant oh my i want to see what happens there there's not really that idea nobody like this would be somebody rambling on to the comic store online like hey what if like dracula bit blade and then he went off and he thought that he wasn't going to turn, but then he turned him. And then at the end, Blade killed the, you know, Dracula. And then they bombed the castle. I'm like, what are you talking about? It sounds like Chris Farley interviewing Paul McCartney. Because at the end, he goes, that'd be awesome. That, that's all. It's, <laughs> it's still nothing, but it's also, it's kind of like, it's not anything that's going to get anybody pissed off. But if you. No, you're right. If, I said, I wanted to do it because I like to support Marv Wolfman. Yeah. I was looking forward to it, as I say, because, yeah, his name is on it. But it's not very good. It's not very good. It's not going to wow people. I think there's two reviews, and there's like a five and a six, like something like that. So it's not that we're missing. No, it's not a terrible book, is it, Jim? It's not like, oh, this is really bad. It's badly written. It's just, it feels like they tried to put too much in. There weren't enough pages, or it was rushed. It gets very rushed at the end with the art, as you were saying. Art and just the story just has yeah. to end. So there are some neat things that throw the what if away. I want to see that team. I want to end up maybe, you know, updating some things with Dracula, have some fun with that. That could have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't great. So what would you give it? I'm like those two scores you say on the comic book roundup I'm between, so I'm I'm gonna give it a five point five. Because it's Marv Wolfman. Yeah, I think I'll go 5.5 as well. And yeah, I, I like to support Marv Wolfman. I think that he, and he's, he seems like a really good guy as far as I know. Somebody will probably say, well, you didn't hear this. But as far as I can tell and what I've seen, he's a pretty decent guy. I'm glad that he gets to do some work. And Marvel has been doing things with some past creators that are pretty cool. Unfortunately, Peter David ended up having some medical problems. Yeah, shout out to Peter David. Yeah. I really like what peter david was doing and i hope to god that he can recover uh and get back to that stuff because it was really really good and this would have been neat if this would have been something like oh man you know this is really great maybe you could think well marv muffin can go back to some of old stories and things like that and maybe give you some more but he's not that great unfortunately or this isn't that great uh so that is 
kind of the problem there. But thanks for joining me, Gray. Everybody, go to the show notes. There'll be a link to Gray's YouTube channel, Wakasashi's Tea House, where he reviews a bunch of issues, comics, and has some other things as well, movie and book reviews and all that sort of stuff. So once again, thank you for joining me, Gray. Thanks, Dan. That is it. All right, and that's it for this week's show. I hope you all enjoyed listening to us go through the books that we did. Not a great week. I think that'll pick up next week, though. Before I go into what we'll be talking about next week, let me remind everybody that if you want to get more weird science stuff, if you want to end up getting a lot of exclusive podcasts, and also help us out for everything we do here on this Marvel feed, if not also the DC Feed and All Our Manga podcast, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can get a ton of exclusive shows. And I think that we are going to start next week with what books I end up talking about. Two of these will be on a Patreon-exclusive podcast spotlight we'll have two of these books on the patreon the rest will be on the regular feed you'll get used to the whole play of that but here's the books that we'll be talking about immortal thor number four daredevil number three superior spider-man number one spine tingling spider-man number two cap wolf and the howling commandos number two blade number five ghost rider number 20 and alien number one so a couple number ones a couple things just starting out some cool stuff and Like I said, we'll be talking about most of those books here on the regular feed, but two of those books will be picked in a poll on the Patreon for a Patreon-exclusive spotlight show that'll probably come out Friday night is when that one will come out, so a day early. And just to let everybody know, for the most part, we also end up having this whole podcast come out a day or so early, early access on the Patreon. But that's it. Check the show notes for everything, including Gray from Wakazashi's Tea House, link to his YouTube channel. Go check him out. He's awesome. And that is that. So thanks, and I'll talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.